in these areas of hardship and in these areas of grief and these areas of loss, we can find tremendous insight and tremendous answers and tremendous meaning forward. Welcome to the Think Out Loud podcast. My name is George Yui, and this podcast is dedicated to those who are passionate about their personal development and are looking to create lives of passion, purpose, and peace. This podcast is called Think Out Loud because I've learned as a coach that when we think out loud, that is where insight is born. We see things more clearly, we feel things more deeply, and we move forward in life from our most authentic self. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Think Out Loud podcast. I'm your host, George, and I have a very unique episode for you today that, to be honest, wasn't planned, but life has a way of bringing us really interesting experiences. Today is us uh, on a Sunday. We've just crossed over into the new year when I'm recording this episode, and I've spent the last week on a family vacation up in Mammoth. Uh, it's an annual trip that my family and I do each year at the first week of January where we go skiing and snowboarding together. And this particular trip was, as I reflect back, probably one of the most unique experiences in Mammoth. And for context, Mammoth is a place that I've been going to for the last 30 years. It's It's my home away from home. And I, I'm sharing that because typically it's a not a unique thing anymore. <laughs> it's still fun and exciting and and I love snowboarding, but this trip was particularly different. The, one of the first things that happened when we arrived is that we actually didn't have power for the first three days. And there was a huge storm that came through, one of these record-breaking storms apparently for California. And a lot of the town in Mammoth was without power, but our particular uh, cabin complex has actually been around for over a hundred years. And I guess it's an old infrastructure, old energy grid, something like that. But we were just without power for three days. And it was really interesting being in five to 10 degree weather in the dark, in the middle of the night with my family. Uh, with my sister, with my brother-in-law, with their children, with my parents, all under the same roof. I remember we were trying to boil water on the stove to to stay warm. Luckily, we were able to get the fireplace going, um, but there was no power. There was no electricity. There was no heat. Uh, and and living in that for three days was quite an interesting experience, to say the least. And in the beginning, I was resistant. I was frustrated. I was pissed off. Even some of the roads were closed to get to the mountain in the morning one of the days. And so that was just where the trip started in its uniqueness. You know, I, I, this particular section of this podcast series has really been about healing. Um, and, and friends of mine had recently been talking to me about these dark retreats where you, kind of similar to a Vipassana and a silent retreat where you go away for 10 days and you sit and meditate uh, in silence. There are these retreats where you, you sit in darkness for seven days. And, and while we didn't do that, being without power for three days brought up a lot of stuff. Um, and, and that was really just the beginning of this unique experience. But the, the particular part of the trip that uh, this podcast episode is about is a conversation that I had with a dying man. 
um, a few days later, we'd actually left that condo complex and, and moved to a new complex. Um, and, and a day or so after that, uh, we met up for dinner with one of my dad's old best friends from back in his sailing days. He was a big boat series racer, uh, sailed borderline professionally, and, and one of his friends has been a big real estate developer up in Mammoth for several years. And uh, we, we typically go to dinner for over at his house every time we visit. But this time, there was there was another family there that I had never met before. Their house was actually out of power as well, too. They, they even joked that they were out of power refugees. And um, so they, they joined. And at the dinner table, I uh, had a chance to sit next to the father and, and the husband of, of the family. And he had mentioned to me that he was a, uh, an ER physician, um, but a retired ER physician. And I said, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Uh, and I asked him, how was your retirement going? And he said, well, it's been a forced retirement because I'm dying. And he said it so abruptly that I almost was like, wait, are, are you serious? And he was like, yeah, no, I have brain cancer and I'm dying. And I looked at my brother-in-law and he just like kind of contracted up and, and like turned the other way. And, and, but death is not uh, an abstraction to me. Death is not something that has been unfamiliar. And in that moment, I just, I really leaned in and I had one of the most beautiful conversations um, I've had in, in quite some time. And I wanted to share with all of you some of the things that this man shared with me. For anonymity's sake, I'll just be referring to him as, as Victor. That's not his real name, but I'll, I'll use that as an anchor point uh, to reference him. But as soon as he mentioned that to me, I said, wow, Victor, thanks for, for sharing that with me. Um, that must be, this must be a very difficult thing that you're grappling with right now. And I just started getting really curious about him and his life and some of the things that he shared were just, it's interesting when you, when we're on this personal development journey and so much of us are, are seeking knowledge and information and wisdom and trying to reconcile how to go through life and how to live life. And, and we hear about these things that, uh, in, in books that are very common themes, service being one of them, but there's something really special, really unique about what happens when you have a conversation with somebody who knows that they're dying, where it's not about losing hope as it is being in the transition process of acceptance and reconciling one's own departure. And what they say is powerful, but not just what they say, but where within their being they're saying it from. And when this man was speaking to me, it was as if I was visualizing this, this journey of his life that he'd been on. And the first thing that he mentioned to me about where he found meaning in his life was from helping other people. He had a very unique job being in an ER physician uh, where you are just constantly living in a state of emergency. He would talk to me about what it felt like to be dedicated to, to helping other people. And that he felt that that was really special and really unique and where he found the most purpose and fulfillment in his life. And he mentioned to me that there were days that were, of course, challenging. People would die on the job under his hand and under his watch. And what it felt like to go home and still feel a sense of peace about what he was doing and purpose about what he was doing 
knowing that he couldn't save every life. And I think that that was also very ironic, knowing now that he was in a position where he was not able to save his own. And we hear so much talk about service, service, contribution, service is the best drug. The, the way to joy and fulfillment is, is through the soul's expression of service to help other people. But it was just so unique to, to feel the energy and to look into the eyes of a man who was passing away and hear about his journey helping other people. It was really profound and really special. Um, I, and I, I continued to ask him, where, where are you finding any joy in your life right now? And he said, you know, to be honest, it's having conversations like this. And sometimes I feel a bit awkward. I feel, uh, he even shared with me the guilt that he felt about being in this position, knowing that most people get uncomfortable in the topic of death. And, and, but, but he was still graced with a, a community and a group of friends where he would just talk to me about just the beauty of simply going on a walk. Um, he also shared with me the struggles of what it felt like to break down in tears, crying and sobbing, but not feel sadness. And he had mentioned to me that that was a unique uh, experience that was probably caused by his tumor in his brain and the cancer in his brain, where it was almost like the physiology and the emotional state were disconnected from one another. And so while he'd be very activatedly crying, he would describe that he wouldn't be feeling sadness at the time and how, how confusing of a life experience that was. You know, he would share with me, and when I asked him, you know, where did you find pride in your life, and and what were some memories that stood out the most, and he immediately just started talking about his children, and who were were there at dinner, um, but they were, I noticed that there was just kind of like they were they're in their teenage years, and they were kind of keeping to themselves, and something intuitively told me that there's just this weight that they're uh, experiencing as a result of not fully having processed or accepted that their father was dying. And I can't imagine how hard it is as well too, to go to a, a dinner party with a bunch of people that you don't know. Naturally, you're gonna be asked, what are you doing in your life and how are things going? And I imagine that when you're sitting you know, next to your father who's dying, you're feeling pretty shitty. And I've learned that when you're going through a shitty time and things aren't fully processed, one of the most painful questions to answer is how are you doing? Um, so I just you know, send my compassion out to them, but it was really awesome to hear his reflections about his, both his children. His daughter, who's 14, uh, is on the ski team, um, but is also in the local orchestra and the local symphony in Mammoth. And she plays the cello. And he showed me these, these, this video with so much pride of his daughter playing cello in the local church with the symphony. It's actually a church that uh, my mother used to take me to as children every Sunday when we were visiting Mammoth. Um, and so it was really cool to kind of just see her in that setting, uh, setting that I had been and was familiar with. And, and also witnessing that she was like the youngest person in the symphony by like 40 years. Um, I think there's something really special, I think about, you know, people who uh, are in this new generation that are picking up maybe some lost arts uh, or less familiar arts. There's something I think that he and I both shared was really, really beautiful. And, and he shared with me about his son who is on the ski team and how he's just an avid skier and he's a cliff jumper and he's a, he's a really good racer. And it just is so interesting to feel the, the energy behind 
the pride of of watching your own children, your own progeny, uh, do things with such passion, and how great of a feeling that is for a father, or for any parent for that matter, to reflect back on their life. It's something that I've been thinking a lot about too. Is you know, am I going to have children? Am I meant to have children? I'm pretty sure I want them, but uh, there was something. There are these really interesting truths and simple truths in life that we hear so frequently. But when when being in the proximity of someone like this, it really moved me to be around that and to feel that, and maybe get a little sense of more desire and groundedness in my hope for one day being able to have children, to be able to passionately share with them my yoga practice and have them develop their own, uh, their own spiritual practice, uh, their own personal development journey, helping them find their purpose in life, helping them explore the adventures that I've enjoyed of surfing and snowboarding and scuba diving and world travel and cultural diving deep into different cultures. Um, when you get really curious in front of these people, you can learn so much. You know, I asked him about, did he have any regrets? And he had mentioned that he just was like, you know, I just regret not having more time. Um, I really have enjoyed helping people in my life. And those days are now over. You know, and I looked at him and I just said, maybe. And it was a really interesting moment. I love that response when someone projects a, a statement that whether true or not true is not my point here, but where it may be limiting and responding to that with just maybe, and then being silent and looking and, and looking at his eyes in that moment was just like, it opened, there was like an opening. And I said, I asked if I could share a reflection with him and, and he, he gave me permission to do so. And I said, you know, your life is your life. And when we look at our own life, it, 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 it sometimes lacks the feeling of it being special. But I shared with him that I have really been touched and moved by this conversation. And in fact, while the snow has been great and the snowboarding has been epic, this conversation has been the best part of the trip so far. And there's a lot of wisdom that he has that is coming up to the surface as he thinks about his life and as he reflects back on where there was meaning and where there was value and what's mattered most to him. And I said, if you were to create a book about everything that you've just shared, that might leave something back behind that might help people who are looking and searching for meaning and for purpose, reconciling their own death perhaps. And there was kind of this, just this nod. And, he, and, and still this kind of what people do is they tend to fight for their limitations of, well, I just, you know, I don't have the time. And, you know, and, I, and I left it at that. But I left it on this note of gratitude of just really thanking him. And as the dinner conversation closed, we all went our own separate ways. And then as we were saying goodbye, I, I just looked him in the eye and I just, I gave him a big hug. He was shaking everybody else's hand, but then I looked at him and I gave him a big hug. And I just said, thank you so much for this conversation tonight. It really meant the world that you shared everything that you did with me.
and I wish you the best. You know, I'll probably never see Victor again. Um, but what was really special is that when we were driving home yesterday, uh, our family friend texted us and, and passed along a, a note of gratitude saying that that conversation that I had with him was really impactful. That his wife had mentioned that he'd been kind of in a funk uh, for the last several days and that he was upbeat and he was feeling good. And I just was really grateful that they decided to share that with me because something I've been reflecting on with my friends is to never underestimate the power of what one conversation can have on a person's life. And I felt really grateful that our conversation had made such a positive impact on him. And you know, I wanted to share all this with you because I'm going through a healing journey right now. I'm thinking a lot about things ending, maybe not necessarily life, but it's really interesting when we're, we're staying open in our healing journey and looking for answers, what we can learn, not just intellectually, but energetically from people that are in this state. If you're in a place in your life right now where you're finding yourself amongst conflict, hardship, fear, loss, um, my invitation is to speak to a dying person. Go and speak with your grandparent, your grandfather, your grandmother. Speak to or volunteer at a palliative care facility and volunteer being willing to spend time with these people, to hold their hand, to look them in the eye. And you can ask them some powerful questions. In fact, I've written down eight questions that this would be a great time to, if you're curious, to take notes or you can go back and re-listen to it. But I find that people tend to constrict up and contract when they're in the face of death. Um, it's something that a lot of people fear deeply. And I found that when we can stay open and stay curious, uh, it can be such a tremendous experience just receiving what they have to share. And so here are these eight questions. Um, number one, what have you been thinking about? Number two, where did you find meaning in your life? Number three, what memories stick out the most? Number four, what memories stand out the most? Number five, do you have any regrets? Number six, what are you choosing to do with the time that you have left? Number seven, if you were to share a message with the world, what would it be? And then number eight, how are you feeling? So something that I've noticed in myself, and maybe this comes from my mother, uh, who happens to be a spiritual chaplain at a hospital, um, which means that what she does for a living is that she sits at the bedsides of people who are passing away and provides spiritual care to help them navigate end of life. And she sits with their families as well too. And so maybe I can thank her for being able to have some of this, but you know, I, I, I in my life at 34 years old, I'm no foreigner to death. Um, in fact, when I was 16 years old, I was in a near death car accident where a car flew off of a cliff. And when you live to tell that story, um, there's a lot of deep reflection about life that 
comes up. And when I was 21 years old, one of my best friends at the time uh, passed away to a drug overdose. And I ended up being chosen by the family to give the eulogy in front of five, six, seven hundred people. And what's really interesting is that during this trip, that friend that passed away, he passed away actually a day after the conversation I had with this man was his 13 year anniversary of his death. And so I was thinking a lot about death already and thinking a lot about him because he was a friend that always uh, pushed me to my edge. He taught me, uh, uh, you know, to always go big when on the mountain and we would always surf together, snowboard together. Uh, he was the guy that I found all the secret spots in Mammoth with. And um, my mother actually reminded me that his anniversary was coming up because that his anniversary also fell on my grandmother's birthday. And so there's just this very interesting uh, circle of uh, beginning of life, end of life, being faced with death, having this conversation, being at Mammoth, uh, dedicating you know some of my snowboarding trip, my rides to my best friend and, and, and thinking about that. And I, I know that facing death for a lot of people is uncomfortable, but to face death is to face life. To face death is to face truth. And I think that when we can find the courage to think about that, um, there's this sense of inevitable truth of life that all things change and all things end. There's a sense of not even what, why did this happen, but what meaning can we make from this part of life, from these experiences? And if you're someone who gets uncomfortable with the topic of death, you know, I, I'd invite you to get really curious about where else in your life are you avoiding looking at what you may be afraid of? Where else in life may you be avoiding conflict? Where else in your life may you be avoiding hardship? And it's not so much as a call out, but as an invitation to find some courage to look into some of these areas. Because I believe that when we look into those areas with courage and we access our inner warrior, it's not to fight it really as much as it is to discover and to peel the layers back and really, 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 really explore because I think in these, in these areas of hardship and in these areas of grief and these areas of loss, we can find tremendous insight and tremendous answers and tremendous meaning forward as we try to find ways forward in our own life. Um, I think it's when we find the courage to confront our deepest fears, it's the pathway to where we can create peace. And, you know, I was, uh, I was journaling about this experience with uh, myself on the drive back from the, from the mountains yesterday. And there's this part that I wanted to share from my journal entry. Again, I'm recording this episode at the start of the new year. And, and I think about this new year. And as one year ends, a new begins. As one life ends, new life is born just around the corner. You know, I think about my nephew, Otto, who's just about 20 months now. Uh, my best friend Andrew's son Ezra, who feels like a nephew to me, 
and my incoming niece that's going to be born next year in June. You know, I think about these lives and the lives that they're going to live and what they're going to feel and what they're going to experience and, and how beautiful it all is and all of its accomplishment and all of its anguish that they'll experience. And I think about this sacred flow of energy that is the gift of life and that we are given this life and one day we have to give it back. You know, it's interesting that I've studied a lot of Eastern philosophy and, and they say to not get too high on the highs and too low on the lows. But I'm beginning to question that just for fun. Um, you know, what if life is not meant to be all peaceful? What if we can experience the greatest heavens and the ugliest of hells so we can appreciate the peace that we can create in between it all? Why not miss out on the extremes of our humanness to live life to the fullest? Why not? Why run from pain? Why not celebrate and scream at the highest of the mountaintops? You know, God, I think about the days where I used to hide myself, hide from the celebration and hide from the pain, all in this mask and this apathy and this neutrality. And neutrality is not peace, it's numbness. I was listening to Desmond Tutu speak in this documentary, and he was saying that uh, when there is injustice, you must pick a side. And I think that there's an internal injustice going on inside many of us, not embracing the full spectrum of human emotion and life experiences that we have. And, and, and what a tragedy that is. Picking a side in this context to me is about embracing that life will flow in many different directions. It, it'll flow upward and it'll flow downward. It'll, it's just like waves. It's just like the tides. It, there's an ocean inside of us that's constantly moving. And sometimes we don't have the ability to, to control it and make it always the way that we want it to be. But embracing the flow of life for what it is and to really receive it, to not hide from sadness and to not hide from our pain. Pick the side that this, uh, that's been given to you, that's being offered to you to learn, to develop, to grow through that. And through these varying times and cycles of life, there's just a glory in all of it in the strangest of ways. And being able to see that from this lens and these two eyes has been a gift and something that I feel grateful for. And it doesn't mean that it makes it any easier. It doesn't mean that answers are gonna always come right away. I don't know that, I definitely don't claim to have all the answers and I'm not even sure that I gave much answers in this episode today. But I just hope that if there's anything that you take away from this, this message is to embrace everything, stay curious through it all, to stay open. And when you can start to take the micro steps toward acceptance to whatever it is that you're going through in life, you'll be able to then work with it and flow through life with more compassion, with more kindness, with more grace and with more surrender. And so I just wanna thank you all for listening to this episode. And I'll close with my favorite mantra that I say to myself, which is, may you be guided by your intuition, have the wisdom and the courage to follow it, the faith knowing that when you do, everything that is meant to be in your life will be. And may you flow through life with kindness, compassion, grace and surrender. 
Take care. We'll see you next time. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of the Think Out Loud podcast. If you liked it, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review it and potentially share it with a friend. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram at shapeshift underscore coach, or just search my name. And you can also find me on my website at www.shapeshiftcoach.com. Look forward to seeing you here again soon.